Michael, this is all very confusing. While recent volatility is causing headaches for some investors, others argue it feels more like being the victim in a low-budget horror flick. It's times like these that test the patience and conviction of even the most disciplined investors. So today, we're going to discuss a handful of things that may help keep perspective and alleviate some of the pain. This is On Markets, presented by Darwin Asset Management and Darwin Wealth Management. I'm Remy Bartolotta, and with me today, I have Senior Financial Advisor, Michael Bartolotta, and Chief Investment Officer, Michael Sorrentino. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to shout out on the show, email comments at onmarkets.com or hit me up directly at remy at onmarkets.com. And if you like our show, please hit the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. So today's topic is directly related to a recent publication that Tino wrote. And in fact, I plagiarized a bit of the intro. So Tino, I, I hope you don't mind. Go right ahead. So after we posted it, we actually received some, I guess, fiery feedback suggesting that uh, we may not be taking the current market conditions seriously. So for the record, nothing could be further from the truth. We just believe that there's a bigger picture than just the last few months of market performance and that when you consider all of the pieces of this puzzle, it may tell a slightly different story than what the media portrays. So Tino, give our listeners a few new colors to paint this picture with. Yeah, that's the idea. Look, I mean, there's a lot of negativity out there right now, and I think that it's certainly understandable why so many investors are worried about seeing their portfolios down. And there are some mechanics going on right now that haven't happened in a while. But ultimately, when it comes down to what really drives the economy, what drives stock prices and asset prices in general, the first thing I want people to remember is that this is not a recession. We're not in a recession yet. I think that that's the first key point is that if you look at the headline numbers right now, in many instances, it might indicate that it is a recession or we're moving towards a recession. And I just don't agree with it. I think if you look at the actual numbers that matter, you see a very different story. We've talked a lot about how 70% of our economy is just consumer spending, just going out and buying stuff, getting a haircut, whatever it might be. Add in business spending, you're right around 87, 88% of the economy. So my point here is that if people are spending money, then the economy is growing. And right now, it's really hard to find a data point that indicates that people are spending less money or just going to stop spending money at some point. Now, I know inflation is out there that's going to impact some spending to a certain degree. But as a whole, we're spending. Companies are spending money. And you're not in a recessionary environment when you're seeing data points like weekly retail sales higher this point in 2022 relative to the last three years. So, Tino, I read your article and I'm going to skip around a little bit because I think that even though um, you know, you've got some of these things listed one through five, I don't think that's necessarily the importance of each key point here. And I was looking at number three, which to me, I actually think is probably the one that's most misunderstood, which is, you know, you've titled it, the tail doesn't wag the dog, but the idea is that the stock market does not drive the economy. And I think that is probably, of all of your points on here, the one that drives it home the most, because I don't think the average person, I don't know that they realize that the stock market and the economy are not necessarily the same thing. In many ways, they're very, very different. And you're right, Remy. I mean, look, when stock prices go down and the stock market gets hit like it does, does it impact spending? Yeah. I mean, to a degree. I mean, it's hard to estimate exactly how much, but is it going to get people to stop spending money? No, it just isn't. We're Americans. The one thing we do better than any other country on the planet is spend money. So I don't necessarily see how a weak stock market could drive us into a recession. And you know, there's a great quote that we, I think we've said on a couple podcasts ago that Wall Street indexes predicted nine out of the last five recessions. 
And the reason why that quote is true, but also funny, is because a lot of times when the market falls, it has nothing to do with the economy. And the tail doesn't wag the dog. I mean, if you look at how stock prices move over the long run, it's the exact opposite. Spending in the economy drives corporate profits. As companies make more money, their stock price goes up over time. Now, it might not happen within the next couple of weeks or months or whatever it might be. It might take a while, but ultimately, over the long run, stock prices are driven by corporate profits, not the other way around. Yeah, Tino, but you know, as we've talked many times on the podcast here, you know, my position is different than yours, right? I'm talking to clients every day, and you can share as many facts and figures with people as you want or as are available that sort of support, you know, or don't support really what's going on in the market. But the bottom line is that people right now are seeing a decline in their portfolios, regardless of who's investing them, right? I mean, there's no safe space right now. So people are seeing a decline in their portfolios. And it's interesting to me that, you know, to sort of share these details and say, look, fundamentally, there's not a reason for this. Nobody really cares. All they really want is relief. They want an own answer. They, what are you going to do? What have you done? Those are the kinds of conversations I'm having. And interestingly, when this piece came out that we're talking about today, it is full of logic as to why the economy is strong and, and there's no real logic to what's happening with the stock market. And we did get a couple of angry responses. And the response isn't logical because what you're telling these people is that I don't want to say there's nothing to worry about, but there's no logical reason for this to be happening. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to be sort of proven wrong for panicking. They want some comfort. So how do you handle that? How do you respond to that? You know, we talk all the time about the emotion involved in investing and the, the facts and figures don't alleviate those emotions sometimes. Yeah, I think what we're seeing here a lot of times is these facts and figures, the data is a lot like penicillin trying to cure a viral infection, right? Where it's just not going to work in many instances. And this is probably the hardest thing about investing is, you know, the data is easy. Uh, it's not hard to get the data. I mean, I've, a lot of Google searches put a lot of this, this piece together. The challenge for investors, what separates the successful ones from the not so successful is being able to keep it together and keep the emotions at bay at best as possible. And times like these, they're incredibly difficult because you're right, there is so much negativity. And when you think about investor biases or behavioral biases, there's a long list of those biases that kind of put people in the position of wanting to sell into panic or wanting to feel justified for feeling negative. You know, you've got loss aversion, you've got recency bias, you've got all these different biases that say, okay, this is why we're going to overreact. And I think in many ways, you, we're looking at the market right now and who knows what's going to happen between today where we're recording and we actually publish this podcast and markets like these, it could go any direction, but we're seeing the market, the S&P 500 is down three, maybe even 4% in some instances on no news. And when we see situations like these, it's purely emotional. I mean, no economy uh, or at least the U S economy, the size that it is can't move three or 4% a day, Apple stock price moving three or 4%. I mean, they're not changing their corporate profits that quickly. So this is a 100% emotional situation. The challenge for investors is not getting sucked in. And it becomes harder and harder to do that every single day, the worse and worse it gets. There's no easy answer. It's not only the worse it gets, but it's the more the media sort of shoves it down your throat. And the worse it gets, 
the more these guys sort of come out of the woodwork and tell you, you know, we got another 30% to go. Oh my God, the bottom is nowhere near. I mean, they have no idea what they're talking about, right? They don't know any better than anybody else. But the media loves those negative stories because they draw eyeballs and, and clicks. And people do, for whatever reason, put some faith in that. And it freaks them out. And it, it creates the problem that we're seeing. It also depends on your point of view. And I'm sure just about everybody can remember uh, the famous line from Return of the Jedi, right? When Luke talks to Obi-Wan and says, you know, you told me my father died and, you know, he really was Darth Vader. And, and Obi-Wan says, well, it really sort of depends on your point of view. He kind of died, but, you know, he was no longer the man he used to be, right? And I feel like it's the same thing here because when I see the market down, you know, like it's been over the past, you know, few weeks or whatever, you know, I sort of get a little bit down too, but for a different reason. I start to think, man, I wish I had more cash on the sidelines because it's such an opportunity for me to jump in and sort of, you know, take a bigger position because I, I know, or at least I'm fairly confident that over the long term, that's a big opportunity for growth and I want to get in when I can. So, you know, I start to feel the same way that some investors do, but for a different reason. I go, oh my gosh, you know what? You know, the market's tanking. I wish I had more cash. I wish I could get in a little bit more. I might lose a little bit in the short term if it goes down a little bit, but ultimately it's a huge opportunity for me to make some serious money. You know, I feel the same way, but I think that we have the advantage of being in the business, right? And it's easier for us probably to put aside the emotion and make the logical decision. It's still not easy, but easier. Some people look at their balances every single day. And when somebody's looking at their balance drop 2 and 3% in a day, it starts to feel like they're in this death spiral. I had somebody a couple days ago on the phone say, you know, I, I've got to get out. I'm going to write it all the way to zero. Think about that comment. To zero? I mean, what does it take for it to go to zero? But in this guy's mind, you know, he is concerned that it is going to go to zero. So I don't want to go too far down this path, but I do have another question, which is when you have people that are panicking the way that they are, do you think it's because they're invested too heavily in the market? I can give you my, you know, why I think it is. I think it's because they don't truly understand what it is to be invested in the market. They either have educated themselves or their advisor, if they're working with an advisor, has done the proper job of creating the right expectation that the market is volatile, and at times it can be very volatile. Tino says that you get rewarded for enduring the volatility with return in the long term. You know, I don't think that people realize that. They have an expectation that, you know, when the market is up, it's up and, and that that's just the way it should be and that that's their money. And that when it's down, that they shouldn't lose anything. In general, not everybody, but you do have a lot of people that have that sort of expectation. Think about the nature, too, of how, frankly, a lot of our relationships start with clients. Most of our business comes in when the markets are good, right? I mean, people want to get invested when the markets are going up. And when you do that, and, and Mike, you sit down and you do your risk assessment to determine the ability and willingness to take on risk, the ability is really easy. Those are just numbers. We could figure that out in 10 seconds. The willingness is where we have to ask the client a couple of questions to figure out where their head's at. And when the markets are going up, your willingness to take on risk is a lot different than it is right now. And I think that's another issue is that until you go through one of these real drawdowns where it is painful, don't matter what kind of invest you are, it is painful. Until you go through one of those, you don't really know where your willingness to take on risk lies. And I think that's a big challenge too, is a lot of times you have a right shoe and a left foot. So another thing that you pointed out in your article, you know, is that this isn't new. Right, this has happened before. This this isn't like uh, you know we've had a steady up market for the past hundred years, and, and all of a sudden you know we're seeing a dip. 
It's not new. I mean, there are nuances about this, call it this downturn, that are quote-unquote new or we haven't seen in a really long time. We haven't seen the bond market and the stock market react like this in many decades. But every single drawdown, every single downturn that we've been through, there's always something you know, new. If you go back and look at the data, and I, you can go back at this point probably close to 100 years, we've never had a single year where we had that was free of a drawdown. Every single year, we've had some type of drawdown in the S&P 500. And on average, about half the time that drawdown is double digits, right? So you think about where we are this year. We're, for all intents and purposes, average. In terms of the last you know, 80-something years, the drawdown we're experiencing right now is average. Now, it's happened fast. Don't get me wrong. It's definitely not felt the same way as others. But I wouldn't say there's anything overly special so far about this drawdown. So it's funny, I, as our listeners know, I almost never speak to clients, but I, I have had the chance to speak to a few over the past few weeks. And you know, I was talking to a client uh, a few weeks ago, and this particular client was down about 10% on the year and was you know, understandably a little bit upset about it. But we looked back on their portfolio over the past three years. And I saw two years ago, they were up 20%. Last year, they were up 19%. And this year, you know, in the first four months anyways, they were down about 10%, right? And the past two years, and Mike, you make this point all the time, right? It has been totally forgotten. All this client saw was, I'm down 10% right now. I said, I get you know, where you're coming from. I get it's upsetting. You, you see that you're down right now. But let's take a look at your overall portfolio. Over the past three years, you're up something like 30%. It's hard to be upset about being up 30% in three years. If I had told you 15 years ago that I could get you a 30% growth in only three years, I think you would have jumped for joy. But people don't seem to remember you know, that they've made a tremendous amount of money and you can't just have a steady up market every single year, year after year after year. But that's human nature, right? I've said it before. Once they see that gain in general, it's their money, right? In general. And, and I feel the same way. It's the reason that people want to overpay their income tax liability, right? Because they don't want to pull that money out of the bank at the end of the year because it feels like it's their money. Once it's in their account, it's their money, right? So they'd rather overpay in the beginning of the year, give the government a free loan, and, and then get a refund at the end of the year because the emotion feels better to get a check from the government than to write a check to the government, even though economically it makes no sense whatsoever. So before we leave, I actually want to read uh, one sentence from your article because I liked this, Dino, which is that there are fewer bulls today than days before the depths of the worst financial crisis since the Great Depression. I think that's a pretty telling statement. The idea behind contrarian investing is when everybody's going left, look right. And if you do that, if you stray from the herd, generally speaking, contrarian investors, if you've got the stomach for it, that's where you make most of your money. And you know, there's a great quote, I forgot who said it, but it basically went something like, you make most of your money during bear markets, you just don't realize it at the time. And I don't necessarily say we're in a bear market, at least not yet, uh, but I think that that is absolutely telling. That There are so few bulls out there. Mike, you said it, the news is just covered with bearish stuff right now. There aren't that many people out there that are saying, hey, like Remy, you said, this is an opportunity. I agree with you. I'm, I look at this as an opportunity as well. But just, there's so few of those people out there saying that, which makes me think uh, 
that there's an opportunity going forward because at some point you can't have 100% bear sentiment. You can't sit there and say everybody's bearish. So when you know there's quote unquote blood in the water, that tends to be the best time to get in because it's how institutional investors make most of their alpha. You know, I don't know if they're necessarily all that much better in terms of timing or analysis than everyday investors. Really what it comes to is they've got stronger stomachs. And I'm telling you right now, because I used to work in that world, there are a lot of institutional investors right now waiting for the panic to get so extreme they can come in and do some serious bargain buying. And the question is when, and I believe me, if I knew the answer to that, I'd participate as well. So Tino, you're usually the quote machine, but I'll throw one out there, which I think this quote is often attributed to Warren Buffett, although I'm not sure that he actually did say this, which is you know, to be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy, right? That's about what we're talking about right now. And that was Buffett. Yeah, that is the idea behind contrarian investing. A lot of people have written books about it and, and how you can make all this money. But ultimately, until you're in one of these situations and actually are willing to pull the trigger, it is very, very difficult to do. So if anybody wants to read Tino's article, you can go to www.darwinwealth.com and you can go to our insights page and check out the article called Take Two and Call in the Morning. And Tino, since you wrote it, I'm going to give you the last words. What's the bottom line? Well, I'll, I'll go with that. If this information was helpful, if, if it's hopefully calming down some investors, then great, then we achieved our goal. But there's going to be a certain amount of investors where, like we said earlier, this is going to be penicillin for a viral infection. They're not going to listen and they're not going to care. If you're in that group, call your advisor. Talk about ways to reduce the risk in your portfolio. Because look, I could show you a thousand more data points confirming our views. But ultimately, if it's going to not help you sleep at night, if it's going to cause you to have an upset feeling in your stomach, whatever it might be, it's not worth the risk of panic selling. There are ways to reduce risk in most portfolios, most diversified portfolios, to where you can remain invested and it's just a matter of adjusting the amount of risk in your portfolio. Because like I said earlier, it's really, really hard to know until you've been through one of these time periods what your true appetite for risk really is. is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management LLC and Darwin Advisors LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk and there could be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein.